Hello, and welcome to the Sports MedCast, a sports medicine-focused podcast for patients and athletes brought to you by the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine. The American Medical Society for Sports Medicine, if you don't know, is an international group of primary care physicians and specialty trained healthcare providers that focus on the well-being of athletes and active individuals of all ages. The Patient Sports Medcast is designed to bring you the latest information in sports science. We hope it will enhance and improve every active individual's ability to participate in whatever their athletic pursuit may be. I'm your host, Dr. Britt Markison from the University of Iowa Sports Medicine Center. Today we'll be discussing the female athlete triad, and I'm thrilled to have two world experts with me to discuss the topic. Dr. Liz Joy is a sports medicine trained family physician from Salt Lake City. She's the medical director for clinical outcomes research at Intermountain and an adjunct professor at the University of Utah in the Department of Family Medicine and Preventive Medicine. I also have Dr. Aurelia Nativ, also a family doctor and sports medicine physician from UCLA. She's a team physician for UCLA as well as the director of their Metabolic Bone and Osteoporosis Center. Welcome both of you, Dr. Joy and Dr. Nativ, to the podcast. So, Dr. Joy, I think one of the first things we should cover is, um, you know, what exactly is the female athlete triad? I think a lot of sports medicine doctors know what that is, but what would you like our audience to understand about, you know, what that term means? Well, it's really important for parents and coaches, athletes, to understand that for any active athlete to really function optimally and avoid injury, it has to start with proper nutrition to support their level of activity and not only their exercise activity but, you know, their day-to-day activities that may occur as a result result of school or work, not to mention growth in a younger athlete. The female athlete triad is really a medical term that's used to define a condition in which physically active girls and women can exhibit one or more of a number of conditions, three conditions actually, Um, and those are low energy availability, uh, menstrual dysfunction, and low bone mineral density. And low energy availability can occur when there is inadequate energy intake to match energy demands, and particularly in a setting of low stored energy or low body weight. And this low energy availability can occur as a result of either you know, an intentional restriction of dietary intake, which may occur if someone has disordered eating or an eating disorder, or in fact it can be unintentional in somebody who is exercising or training at such a high level, you know, that they're just not meeting their exercise energy demands with adequate dietary intake. So low energy availability just to recap, kind of can lead to those second and third components of the triad, which can are um, absent or skip periods and low bone mineral density, which can set that individual up for stress fractures, particularly athletes who do weight-bearing sports like long-distance running. 
the real key here is that the female athlete is just not getting enough calories relative to her energy expenditure that she has through exercise and other activities to support other vital hormonal and physiologic functions. So these alterations can then put the athlete or an active female um, at risk for injury and poor bone health. So are there certain um, athletes uh, that are at increased risk for that or certain things that seem to trigger this condition? Well, there's no single cause or trigger, although there are certain conditions as well as certain sports and personality characteristics that may put the athlete at increased risk. Components of the triad are more frequently seen in female athletes who participate in sports that are image conscious, like gymnastics or diving or dance, or where being thin may be advantageous for performance, like long-distance running, where you may want to carry less mass over distance um, to optimize performance. So, but in reality, you know, it can occur in any sport and in any female who is active. And, you know, as a, as a sports medicine and team physician, you know, I have seen soccer athletes and volleyball players and basketball players also um, suffer from the female athlete triad. So, you know, it's not just the, the tiny gymnast or the figure skater or the diver who is at risk for this. It's also more common in athletes who are perfectionists. Um, so uh, in the perfectionistic athlete, one should be aware of that as a risk factor. Um, and it's important to make sure that the coaches and parents are aware that, you know, comments about weight um, or excessive pressure on the athlete to achieve a certain weight or a tr- certain size can also put them at risk for the triad. Great. That's very helpful. Dr. Nativ, Dr. Joy mentioned that uh, – energy uh, balance is particularly important to be paying attention to in in our athletes and that that can be, you know, issues with that can be either be intentional or unintentional. Can you help us understand that a little bit better? Yes, I think that's a key point because when the female athlete triad was initially described, it included disordered eating, amenorrhea, and osteoporosis. And now with the expansion of the triad, we now know that each of those medical conditions lie on spectrums. And with the energy availability spectrum, you don't necessarily need to have an eating disorder or disordered eating. So some of the times there is just misinformation about the energy needs for an individual's sport. And um, in, in those cases, sometimes there is not a psychological uh, conditions such as with anorexia where there is intentional restriction or with bulimia when there's self-induced vomiting or over-exercise. On the other end of the spectrum, as mentioned, you can have low energy availability without or a negative energy balance or low energy availability without the psychological component. And in those cases, it's misinformation that the athlete doesn't understand or has not been either told or just it doesn't understand the needs, uh, the caloric needs for their sport. And once they have the information and once their problem has been identified that they've been in an uh, energy deficit, which many of these athletes are, uh, are in, not knowingly, then um, once they have the nutritional information, uh, it's not as difficult uh, to treat that group 
Uh, and then again, down the spectrum, those with disordered eating, um, you know, oftentimes they will respond well to nutritional guidance. Uh, sometimes uh, there uh, is the need for a psychological intervention at that point as well, and um, it's more difficult to treat those on the um, on the end of the spectrum with anorexia or bulimia with a full-blown eating disorder. So from a practical standpoint, if you're an athlete or a coach or a parent, what sort of things should 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 you be watching out for or monitoring to make sure that either yourself as an athlete or your athletes as a coach or your children when you're a parent are getting the proper nutrition and calories that they need? Well, that's a great and very practical question. Uh, for for the athletes and for the parents uh, and for the coaches, uh, especially if it's a sport where uh, where there is more of um, you know an endurance sport or a sport in which uh, there's a high uh, energy demand, uh, making sure that the athletes understand uh, understand that and understand what is necessary for uh, their nutritional intake to uh, at at the minimum equal that and ideally. Uh, be in a positive energy balance where they're slightly exceeding what the energy needs are because there's also, you know, basic energy needs of, uh, just with daily living. Uh, but on top of that, with, with the significant energy expenditure of um, endurance sports, the caloric intake can be, you know, quite high. And uh, so it's important to know the sport and what the needs are. Uh, if there are any concerns, meeting with a dietitian, uh, or just getting some general information about um, the caloric needs uh, for that sport. Um, also, hydration uh, needs are important as well. So, um, so knowing a little bit more about the sport and the energy demands would be one thing. Uh, being in touch with um, the menstruation, if it's a athlete that has uh, not started uh, menstruating, uh, the average age. Um, is 12 in the United States. Um, there is more concern um, between ages uh, 14 and 15, depending on the uh, sexual, the secondary sexual characteristics. Um, it's uh, something that um, would be addressed with the primary care doctor um, at their annual visits if they haven't started their period by age uh, 14. Um, if they have certain characteristics on exam, then there would be more concern um, at age. 15 or beyond if they haven't had a menstrual period. So that would be something to bring attention to uh, the physician um, if they have not started their period or if they've started the period but then have an absence of menses for three months or more or uh, persistently prolonged uh, menstrual cycles. So they may not be as infrequent as three months or more, but if they occur every, you know, six weeks, every eight weeks. So if they're chronically irregular, then that is um, also not normal. And I think a common misconception with athletes as well as uh, parents and and some coaches as well is that it's a normal adaptation to exercise to skip your period or have irregular periods, and that's just uh, normal. Uh, we now, you know, have much more information and know that it's it's not healthy for uh uh, for a young athlete to have irregular menses because uh, this can significantly affect their bone health. And there's a cumulative effect on bone um, with missed menses or absent menses. So that would be another uh, piece of information to 
pay attention to and to act on if there's any problems uh, with the menses. And then going down to the third uh, component of the triad, uh, the bone health and low bone density. So sometimes that is manifested as bone injury, stress fractures, stress reactions. Uh, so those are things that if if uh, an athlete has one or more stress fractures, that uh, should automatically make the parent, the coach, the athlete consider the other components of the triad because they are so interrelated. And so being in touch with the common uh, presentations of the triad and the interrelationship uh, would be something that would be very important uh, to know about and uh, to pay attention to. One other thing that um, I think is helpful for ensuring proper nutrition in an athlete is, uh, is also to look for significant weight loss or weight cycling, and uh, that can be a, a tip-off uh, if there's you know extreme weight loss in a short period of time or noticeable weight cycling, uh, both of those can uh, you know those are both red flags for uh, restrictive eating for the weight loss uh, and uh, possible purging behavior, bulimic behavior with the weight cycling. And uh, if a parent or a coach notices that in one of their athletes, uh, it would be advisable for them to recommend either seeing a physician or, uh, you know, starting out either with a dietitian um, assessment or um, are probably best um, to go to the physician to assess a possible problem. Yeah, I think that's great. I think, you know, I think having those practical things with, you know, any delayed puberty, any missed or skipped periods, and any, you know, stress-related bone injury as being something that would make us all parents, coaches, uh, and, and frankly, physicians think about um, energy balance, I think, is, is really important. Dr. Joy, you know, if a parent or coach or athlete is concerned about uh, any, any of these um, manifestations, what, what should they do next? What's the next step? Well, I think the first step, if you are a coach or a parent, is, you know, to really have a caring but very direct conversation with the athlete about your concerns. Uh, for um, some, you know, that should or will lead to a visit with a sports medicine or primary care physician to further um, understand what exactly is going on with that athlete's health. There are other conditions that can uh, result in restricted dietary intake um, or weight loss or absence of menstruation. Um, certainly, uh, one needs to, you know, consider um, things like thyroid disease um, in a, a female who is sexually active, obviously pregnancy. Um, so a visit with a physician is important. You know, it's important to understand um, what they're eating and to uh, perform a detailed dietary evaluation. And a team physician may do that or more likely a a registered dietitian who has some expertise in working with and evaluating athletes who are affected by the triad. Um, that's, you know, a, a first step in starting to understand what their energy needs are and ensuring that they're eating enough to meet them. And as Dr. Nativ mentioned, you know, in those who um, on the energy availability spectrum are at the end 
towards disordered eating or an eating disorder, then it's imperative that they have um, a psychological evaluation to evaluate and treat um, not only the, the potential eating problems, but also conditions that oftentimes occur with those eating problems, such as depression or anxiety. Um, and that is going to be a key component of their recovery process. Great. Dr. Nativ, I've got a, another kind of practical question for you to finish up with, and that is you know, one of the more common things that I run into in my clinic is, you know, I have uh, an athlete and, and there are some concerns about one or more of the components of the triad. Maybe they're missing a few periods. Maybe they've had a stress fracture. Um, and there's some concerns about their energy balance uh, and whether they can continue to train or participate in their sports. So my question to you is, you know, how do you approach uh, and counsel those uh, athletes, coaches, and parents regarding participation? That's another great question and uh, can be a difficult one. Uh, as physicians, we also uh, bring into uh, our decision-making, we um, include a multidisciplinary team. Um, in these situations, uh, we often will uh, seek advice also from the nutritionist, uh, usually a sports dietitian that also has expertise in disordered eating, if that is the case with the uh, with the athlete in mind, and um, also with the psychologist. And together, we come up with the best treatment plan for that patient. Uh, sometimes it you know, especially if it's more of a uh, misunderstanding of their energy requirements and they're able to comply with the recommendations, uh, oftentimes they can continue to train uh, as long as they continue to improve uh, with regards to their health issues and are compliant. Uh, sometimes they can be cleared still, but their training might need to be limited if we feel that they're at risk currently for a stress fracture. For example, if their bone density is very low or they've uh, continue to have missed menses for long periods of time uh, and or have had uh, stress fractures and are in a high-risk population, you know, that higher-risk group. Uh, we do have uh, criteria for physicians now that help us with this decision-making. And if we feel that they are still at some risk but uh, that there are benefits to exercising, we may limit their training. Uh, but in other cases, there may be too many red flags, and it may be uh, determined by the treatment team that it's not in the best interest of the athlete at that point in time to train. And those are difficult decisions, but uh, health is the number one thing, safety and health uh, for the athlete, and we always have that in mind as the most important uh, aspect of our decision to clear or not. And so once that decision is made, we oftentimes will recommend having a contract uh, with the athlete and those involved that spells out what would be needed uh, for that athlete uh, to be cleared and, most importantly, for their optimal health. And uh, and we make recommendations as to how often they may need to see the psychologist, if that's the case, or the dietitian, how often they need to see the physician, if there are lab tests or other tests uh, that are needed, uh, bone densities, how often those would be recommended, and uh, that way everyone is on the same page and they understand, uh, you know, what they need to do in order to improve their health and uh, and continue to exercise or, or restart their exercise if it has uh, been withheld from them. So 
So there's a whole spectrum. Uh, you know, mo- most of the time, uh, and uh, I would say that most of the time the athletes are either cleared or they're cleared in a limited fashion with those that have components of the triad depending on their risk. Uh, but there are some times when they will need to be restricted. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's with the goal to get them um, in a healthier place so that they're not as much uh, at risk for fractures and, you know, ongoing negative consequences on their bone health and reproductive health. That's great. Thank you very much. Um, I think I'd like to close with just maybe uh, some take-home points for our our audience today from each of you. If you maybe had just a couple of sort of uh, key uh, points that you'd like to, to stress to to our audience. And I'll, I'll maybe start with you, Dr. Joy. Well, I think first is just to ensure that people know that early recognition and early intervention is associated with the best outcomes. So if as a parent or a coach you are concerned that one of that your child or one of your athletes, you know, may be struggling and suffering from the female athlete triad um, please uh, reach out to that individual, um, reach out to the team physician or an athletic trainer or somebody who has a, a, a close um, and trusted relationship with that person so that he or she, or she, I guess in this case, you know, can get um, the appropriate help. Um, and that's, that's definitely um, a key first step. How about you, Dr. Denti? Well, I would ditto that. I think that is probably the most important take-home point is that um, exercise is uh, is a positive thing, of course. We want our athletes and our patients and um, uh, to to exercise and uh, participating in sport is a wonderful thing. Uh, the majority of the time, it's um, it's all positive. But in this situation, you know, we have identified these problems that can occur, especially with a, a female athlete. We have discussed um, those that are at uh, most risk. And the awareness is is really key and um, intervening early um, so that these problems don't escalate and develop into a bigger problem that's more difficult to treat. So I think the education and the awareness and then acting on that depending on, uh, you know, where the athlete is at the time or where the parents, uh, what the parent's assessment is uh, would be the most important thing is uh, to not wait too long and uh, to understand the problem, to intervene if uh, or seek help if there is uh, one or more issues of the triad. So in athletes who are going to require treatment uh, for the triad, particularly for those who have disordered eating or an eating disorder, you know, it's important that uh, parents and individuals seek care from a multi or from an experienced multidisciplinary team. And that team typically consists of a mental health professional, a sports dietitian, and a sports medicine physician or primary care physician who has some knowledge and expertise in the care of female athletes with um, disordered eating or an eating disorder. I think that's a great place to wrap things up. Thank you, Dr. Joy and Dr. Nativ, for a really wonderful and very helpful discussion on a super important topic for our female athletes. On behalf of the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine and my guest hosts, thank you for joining us 
on this sports medcast. We hope you can join us again for more cutting-edge sports medicine topics brought to you by the American Medical Society for Sports Medicine.